I had started writing Lady Bird, um, but I didn't know what it was going to be yet. I just kind of worked on it on my own when I had time. And, um, and then, but when I had a finished script, I sort of had a moment with myself where I was like, well, I think it's a good piece of writing. Um, I think I could give it to someone else to direct. I know a lot of directors and they would do a good job. Um, but it, it felt very much like, it, if you don't do this now, I don't think you're going to do it. So... That is the voice of actor, screenwriter, and Barbie director, Greta Gerwig. And she's going to give us insights, not only of Barbie, but also insights on how we can become better at taking risks in life. That and much, much more on today's Super You Podcast. It's one small step for man. Lift off. We have a we choose to go Thank you for tuning in to today's Subaru Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Quam, and a lot of you know me as Equal Man. You have spoken, and we have listened. Thank you for all your emails. The email is equalman at equalman.com. But you mentioned that we should cover more timely events as much as we can, and so that's what we have here today. Obviously, Barbie mania is taking over. If you've been to any restaurant in the last couple nights, you've seen a lot of people dressed in pink because guess what? They're probably going out to eat before or after going to see Barbie. I saw the film, definitely recommend going and check it out. It's a fun, fun film. We'll unpack that a little bit. But today we're going to get some insights from Greta Gerwig. She's actually the director of Barbie. And it, Barbie topped more than $1 billion in global ticket sales. And so that means that she's the first solo female director to cross the billion-dollar mark. That's right. She's the first female director to cross the billion-dollar mark. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Uh, Hi, Ken. I can. I can. I can. I can. I got us both ice cream. Cool. Hi, Barbie. 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 Now, before Barbie, you might have been familiar with Gerwig for her award-winning filmmaking of the two critically acclaimed films, Lady Bird, that was in 2017, and also Little Women in 2019. But she's known for her sharp wit and her empathetic portrayals of women. She's also a feminist icon, and her work often explores the challenges and triumphs of women. And surprisingly enough, this holds true for the Barbie movie as well. For those that that haven't seen it, you might be, how is that even possible? Uh, But she wanted to make a film that was anarchic and wild and funny and cathartic. She also said that she wanted to explore the complex and multiple dimensional character of Barbie, which I think she did a pretty good job. Um, obviously, there's some imperfections in the film, but she did a pretty good job addressing both those those pieces. She was invited to write the Barbie movie by Margot Robbie, who also stars in the film as Barbie. And Gerwig said that she was terrified to accept the job because she didn't want to make a movie that was a piece of fluff 
And when you see the film, it's really set in two worlds. There's Barbie Land, a perfect and kind of idealized world. And then the real world, the one we live in, which we know is messy and imperfect. But it explores themes of identity, gender, and self-acceptance. Um, but that's why it's been such a, a big commercial success. It's kind of fun, but it also digs into a little of some of the issues uh, that we're facing as a society as well. I give it probably a 7 out of 10. Uh, so go check out the movie yourself. But here I give a 10 out of 10 the insights that we're going to get from Gerwig that will help us not only become better risk takers, but also give us the courage to wear that cape. So here we are with some information and insights from the director of the Barbie movie. That's right, the billion-dollar lady herself, Ladybird, Greta Gerwig. Now, as a starting point, you describe yourself as a self-starter. Uh, why is that important trait for all of us to have, for all of us to be self-starters? When I wrote Francis and made it, and then I, you know, I was I was writing more stuff, and I, it it was all of a sudden it was just became clear like, well, you have to do this, you have to keep making work, and I think more than anything, it was it was. It was a relief in a way. I think to me it's more anxiety producing to think that someone will hand you a script that will change your life or something like that because it's like, well, what are the chances? But there's something very heartening about, well, it's a lot of work, but you can do it. You you will have to have to do it and you can. And that's um, that's much less scary to me than waiting for something. Now, you made the hard transition from actor-writer to director. How does one make the leap from actor-writer to then sitting in the director's chair? Uh, this will be helpful for all of our listeners who are trying to change their position in life. They might not be in Hollywood, obviously, but they might be looking to change their position in life as well. How do you make that leap? I love films, and I love cinema, and I really didn't want to disrespect the form by by not knowing what I was, what I was doing. So um, I, as an actor and as a, a, a writer and a co-writer and I produced and I edited and I held the boom and I did almost everything you can do on a film set um, to get this experience in. And then when I finished this draft, I was like, okay, this is, I gotta, this is gonna be the one. And um, I think I see, because I've spent so much time as, a, as an actor, I, I've seen so many different directors on sets, and I think most directors only ever are on their own set. They don't actually know how anybody else does it. And I've seen so many different ways of working with crew and actors and department heads, and I felt like I, the biggest thing I think a director can do is create a, um, is, is to create almost a bubble of magic safety for their actors and for their department heads and hold a perimeter so that they feel safe to play and bring their whole selves. Now you've been quoted as saying that your creative partner and life partner, Noah Bombach, likes to shoot upwards of 30 or 40 takes at a time. And sometimes you share that philosophy. Uh, that's expensive when you think about the time to do that, to get it right. But what's the benefit of doing so many takes or attempts in does that have any metaphor when it comes to life as well, outside of film, uh, the 30 or 40 takes, is sometimes in life, you know, we're not going to get it right the first time. It's like being on a drug. It makes sense when you're on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we wanted it to feel light on its feet 
but we also wanted it to be as perfect as possible. And I think that's, you just have to do it a lot mm -hmm. to make it feel that effervescent or that mm -hmm. effortless. It doesn't, because I feel like 10 takes, it just looks labored. And then 15 takes, you're settling in. And by the time you get to the 20s, you're getting good, it's good every, you know. And then you fine-tune it within that. I mean, I think it's similar to, like, my experiences when I was writing. I learned how to really rewrite and hone something and perfect it in a way that I felt like I hadn't done before. And I felt like I did that as an actor and as a writer, as opposed to, like, your first impulse feels so good, and it feels mm. so good that just that you found an idea to latch onto. But, yeah. like, you have to get over the first love of your first attempt, and you have to <laughs> then, like, figure it out. But I think as an actor, I would always... I'd never really had an opportunity to go beyond those first attempts. I felt like I got to. Now, when it comes to movies or in life, do you believe in a more step-by-step -step approach to your life or your career, or are you more instinctual, more going with your quote-unquote gut? I'm not good at thinking about steps in careers because um, I think I always get a little off track when I think that way. Every choice I've ever made that I've thought like, God, this is a good choice for my career is not that. I mean, occasionally I've, I've been like, oh, that was very lucky I got that. Oh, good. But anytime mm -hmm. I'm like making a decision and then I'm like, this is smart for the career. It just, I don't know. It doesn't turn out the way I, it's, it's, it's always some, some other thing happens. So I try not to really think about that because that doesn't seem to help. But in terms of intellectualizing it, I mean, as far as I can tell, what I do is I try to, I try to read a lot. I try to find a lot of materials and music and things that make me feel like the person and physical things and ways of walking and shoes and everything I can kind of load myself up with. And then the lines, especially if it's a good script, like the, the rhythm and the feeling of the lines, if it's a director I love, I watch everything over and over again and try to deep myself in their world so I feel like I'm part of it, like an, I'm sort of an, like their arm or something. But then when I'm on set, moment to moment, I just try to let all of that exist in an un, almost an unexamined way inside me because mm -hmm. it's almost like I load up and then I try to let it all go. I don't know if it like if that's the best way. It's just, I think now that I've looked at different pieces of work I've done in film and theater, that, that seems to be what it is. Now I've heard when you're shooting a film on set that you do something rather unusual. Uh, the fact that you have everyone wear a name tag, literally one of those tags you'd see at a business cocktail reception, like, hello, my name is Bob. But in this case, it's hello, my name is Ryan Gosling. Number one, is this true? And number two, why do you do this? I had a really great experience as an actor working with Mike Mills. He made me feel very, um, very inspired and very free. And he runs a really beautiful set. And um, I took from him, I have every crew member wear uh, name tags, um, including myself, um, which sounds like a small thing, but actually, especially for actors who are only coming in for like two or three days, it's really overwhelming. It's like 40, 50 people you've never met. You don't have time to learn their name. You feel rude if you say, hey, you. You know what I mean? Like it's a, and I remember thinking like, that is so smart. 
that is a smart thing. It makes everybody an individual. Everybody's got a name, and it and it allows people to easily step into the world. It's not a high, and and you're more than your position. You know, you're a person. For listeners out there that are trying to find themselves or find their own unique voice in the world, how does one find themselves, or how does one find or create their own unique voice in the world? Well, I think it's a in a way it's. I think I've been in the process of with writing um, and with acting in the process of voice finding. I mean, particularly with writing um, has been a process of what am I attracted to? What do I think um, feels like some approximation of what I'm interested in and what I'm going for? But I think there it's a misnomer, uh, this idea of finding your voice, because I don't think it's a singular event. I don't think you find your voice once and then... Great, there's my voice, and I will continue to speak with my voice. I think it's, um, you find it, and then it stops being the thing that's actually speaking out of you. Or or that you're doing then an imitation of yourself, so then you have to let it go and find it again. I think it's kind of a continual process. And that's true of an actor, too. You can't, you sort of always have to keep moving forward. So it's a painful process of, of, of finding it and then realizing it's, it's, no, no, a year later, then it's wrong. You have to kind of break out of it and get to the next one. Now, anyone that has been successful like yourself has taken risks. At some point along the way, they have taken a risk. How does one become a risk taker? I had started writing Lady Bird, um, but I didn't know what it was going to be yet. I just kind of worked on it on my own when I had time. And um, and then, but when I had a finished script, I sort of had a moment with myself where I was like, well, I think it's a good piece of writing. Um, I think I could give it to someone else to direct. I know a lot of directors and they would do a good job. Um, but it, it felt very much like, a, if you don't do this now, I don't think you're going to do it. So do you want to do it now or, or not? And I And then I said, all right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Um, it's a. It, it's just. It, but you know, it's like um, somebody said. I think Cheryl Strayed said this. I like Cheryl Strayed. Um, she said uh, something like, or the, she said like, oh, people always ask you, or people always ask kids like, well, what what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Um, which is a good question to ask. But it's like, what would? You, and then she was like, but ask yourself like, what what would you do? If anyway, even if you failed. And I think that was like sort of the thing I came to with directing. And I was like, even if this goes completely sideways, I think I will have rather had thrown my hat in the ring. All my life been so polite. Cause I'm just kidding. Anywhere else I'd be Is it my destiny to live? That's Barbie director Greta Gerwig. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. And thank you so much for everyone's kind words that saw uh, my images across social, that I was not wearing my green glasses, that I wore pink glasses when I went with my daughters to see the film Barbie, which, again, I enjoyed. It was fun. Uh, So feel free to go check it out. It's one of the top grossing films in the last couple years. So it's kind of become a phenomenon with everyone wearing pink. Heck, I wore pink glasses. But my hope is that from this episode today that you think about where could you maybe take that risk? Where could you take that leap? 
Where do you need to take that risk in order to long-term get where you're trying to go? And we get where we're trying to go because of you, the listeners. Thanks for all your emails. It's equalman at equalman.com. Thanks to Jake Brin, Maritza Gutierrez, and also Kelsey Gomez to help put together this in every episode that we do. And Kelsey gets a shout out here because she had the most phenomenal Barbie Halloween costume. So they look exactly like Ken and Barbie. So that was fantastic. So shout out to our, our great Kelsey Gomez here at Equalman Studios. And a shout out to all you. Thanks for tuning in each and every week. Hopefully today's episode gives you the courage to wear that cape, to be that superhero, to take that risk. And until next time, this is Equalman reminding all of us, it's not what we take from the world, it is what we leave behind. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Super, 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 super you. Oh, yeah.